Let's look at part two on conquering temptation. Part two on conquering temptation. I was thinking about the little old ladies. They were driving on the highway, and a police officer pulls them over, and there were four little old ladies, and they were in their late 80s and early 90s, and he's like, sir? The, the lady said to him, sir, what's wrong? He goes, you're on a major highway, and you're going 35 miles an hour. She's like, I thought that was the speed limit. No, it's Highway 35. The speed limit is 65. And then he stuck his head, and he looked at the other ladies, and they were all frazzled and eyes real big. And he's like, what's wrong with them? I just got out of, I guess, Highway 101, and I was going 101. <laughs> Be careful who you ride with. <laughs> Conquering temptation. We've got to be able to look at that. Now, last week, if you weren't here, you need to watch it online. It was a really good message about the areas of temptation. We looked at Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes in after feeding the 5,000. He goes into the desert to be tempted, and he, he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan appears to him and gives him three temptations. And last week, as we looked at that, under point number one, the areas of temptation, these are categories of temptation. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The devil uses those three areas to destroy everybody. And it says in Hebrews that Jesus faced every temptation that we faced. Even though there weren't computers, even though there wasn't pornography as far as the stuff we see today, he faced all three of those categories and he passed the test. He passed the test. And you can listen to that last week and look at that. But when you become demoralized over your past or your sin, your failure, what happens? You start to lose heart. Tell your neighbor, do not lose heart. We all make mistakes, but we've got to just take it back to Jesus, repent, and continue on. Amen? But the devil loves to get us condemned. He's the author of condemnation. To believe the lie of condemnation will result in an inner infection of torment that will produce fear. And fear will rule your life. Fear is the opposite of faith. So when you allow the enemy to continue to condemn you, this infection takes place in your spirit, and before you know it, you don't feel worthy of anything because of the condemnation, and you become full of fear, worry, instead of faith. Thank the Lord for Jesus. He is there. I have found in my own life that I lose authority when I submit to worry. You might want to write that down. I lose authority when I submit to worry. When I allow worry to come in, whether it's in the family, in my health, in my job, with family, uh, relatives, whatever it is, 
When I allow worry to come in, I lose authority. And I, I preached a message a couple weeks ago about that. If we look at temptation, we go back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Now, the serpent was the most crafty. He was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat any tree, uh, eat of any tree in the garden? Now, again, what does the devil do? He gets you to doubt God's word. Doubt what God wants to do for you. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There's the lie. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Come on now. Lust of the eyes. God's, God's deceiving you. Your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Oh, my goodness. Knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, oh, my, her eyes. And the flesh, it was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes. I don't know what the fruit was. I know it wasn't kiwi because it is not a delight to look at, in my opinion. Anyway. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So there are your three temptations that Jesus faced in Luke 4. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You will be wise like God. How many of us get tempted in one of these areas, and we fail, and then we get down, and we feel like I'm a failure, so there's no hope, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing. That's not the way you're to live a Christian life. In my devotions this week, as I was reading in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, if you become a slave to sin, you're not going to have any part in his kingdom. That's pretty simple. But if you become a son or a daughter and you walk in sonship, you will have part of the kingdom. So people that tell me, that they can, and we talked about this last week, how you continue to practice the same sin over and over. I'm going to question, where are you with God? Where are you with God? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're not to practice these immoral things. Oh, I feel condemned this morning. No, you might be feeling convicted. But the problem in the church today is just kind of the Andy Stanley syndrome. Just embrace the sin and love people. 
Don't worry about the Old Testament. It has no, no application to where we're living today. And, you know, those that are in perversion, just, just love them. No, we are to love them, but we're not to embrace their sin. Nor are we to invite it into the church. Amen? And that's why there are such messes in the kingdom of God. When I gave you that example last week that when I was at the worship seminar over 20 years ago and over 50% of two or 3,000 worship leaders that were there in Orlando raised their hand that they struggled with homosexuality, I looked at my friend and I said, we are in trouble in America. If this is going on from worship leaders, oh my gosh. And look where we are today. Well, just don't highlight that. Gluttony's a sin. Gluttony's a sin. Gossip's a sin. Do you have any of those people in your family, they want to be in the know? And if they hear somebody whispering, they're like, what are you guys talking about? Tell me, what's going on? <laughs> Little gossips. Or insecure thinking it's about them. So we have the lust of the flesh. In Deuteronomy 8.3 it says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Why are we even talking about temptation? Because most of you tell me how you're struggling, but you're not telling me how you're finding scriptures to stand on. I had a violent temper, terrible temper. Drop of a hat, I would fight. It was terrible. End up getting a knife in my liver, ripping my liver wide open because of my temper. Remember asking God, why in the world did you let this guy rip my liver? I'm going to get him later. Now, that was my thought. Not a tough guy, just a terrible temper. Anger. If you touched me in any way with a push or a hit, I just lost it. I don't know how to explain it. I just went nuts. And I didn't care who you were. I just wanted to hurt you bad. End up putting five guys in the hospital. Not proud of any of this. I'm on a date with my wife. A guy says something, slams his fist on the hood of my car. I forgot where I was. I just thought, he hit my 69 Cutlass. Next thing you know, I got this guy on the ground, and I'm banging his head on the cement and at a football game, Jeff football game, and I'm about to pulverize him, and I hear Shaloy right behind me, stop, stop, what are you doing? And I came to my senses, and I said, don't ever do that again. And I let him go, and I got in the car with her, and she goes, who are you? I thought, I'll never be going out with this chick again. <laughs> but it really got me thinking, who am I? I had memorized Scripture, but then I started memorizing Scripture 
when it came to temptation and anger. I put them in my car. I put them on the mirror of the bathroom. I, I did all these things, and I just was quoting Scripture. Whenever my temper would start to go, I just started quoting Scripture and, and quoting, uh, quoting 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking me, but such as common to God. But you are faithful and just, Lord, who will not allow me to be tempted above that which I'm able, but with the temptation, provide the way of escape. I need a way of escape right now. And then I was under a wise teacher, and he said, when you struggle in an area, one of the best ways besides quoting Scripture is to think of the meanest, most ungodly person you know personally. And when you get tempted in that area, start praying for their salvation. So I started praying for a teacher I had at Jeff High School who put me through misery because I would not go and do the things in his class which would cause me to have to cuss and sing cuss words, and I wouldn't participate. So he goes, I'm not going to give you an A anymore, but you're going to participate. I said, I'll participate, but I cannot get up there and sing those words. So I prayed for his salvation. Twenty years later, he comes to New Directions, the Drug and Alcohol Abuse Center, and he finds out that I'm coming there, and he says, Owen, would you help me lead Christmas carols? Sure. I'm still praying for his salvation as I prayed for my temper, and I prayed for his salvation over and over again. Ten years ago, or eight years ago, I get a call from one of the local nursing homes, and it's my teacher, and he's there. He says, Owen, I hold church service on Sundays. I said, what? <laughs> Every Sunday, and I would like you to come and sing and preach. Okay. I get there, and he's like, what hymns do you want to do? So we're doing a bunch of hymns or whatever. And I realized he had made a decision for Jesus Christ. I was praying for his salvation, but I wasn't believing he was going to get saved. He got saved. He's in heaven today. Not just because of me. Other people were praying too. But what I'm saying is you get on the offensive when you're facing an area, whether it's pornography, sexual addiction, gluttony, whatever it is, and you start praying for the person that you don't think could be saved, you pray for them every time. It's amazing what God can do. Because you've got your mind off the temptation, all of a sudden you're doing warfare and the enemy's saying, don't bother him right now, he's praying for their salvation, he's, he's praying, leave him, you know, just a way to help you. Just a simple way, besides quoting scripture, because the enemy can't handle the scripture. Then you've got the lust of the eyes. Isaiah 6.3, Jesus is quoting this. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then the third temptation that Jesus faced, the pride of life, you know, just throw yourself down. The angels will come and they will not let you stub your toe or hurt your foot. They will catch you, da-da-da-da-da. You know, pride Rising up, I'm going to be wise like God, pride. 
I think that's America's biggest sin. We just think we know so much. Some of you are married to that prideful person. They know everything. You ask them a question, they know. And they help you to know that they know. Pride of life, Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. So I want to just help you out. The world is more than stuff, amen? There's evil in the world, but it's more than stuff. It's not just stuff. The lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, the pride of life. These are something that the enemy uses on every one of us. And here's the problem. Some people get easily offended when you talk about their sin because they think you're being judgmental. No. Jesus talked about it all the time. But he gave an avenue. The woman caught in adultery. Where are your accusers after he's writing in the sand? I have no accusers here. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So I was thinking about who's a great example that struggled. Judges chapter 13. It's not on your outline. Just write down Judges chapter 13. Samson. He is a great example of following the things of the world. He's told to take the Nazarite vow, a Nazarene. No alcohol can touch his lips, nor can grapes that alcohol come from. They, he could not have grapes touch his lips. As a matter of fact, he lived in an area in Israel where there were tons of grape orchards being grown. He was being, every day he was seeing this, but he couldn't. And his hair had to grow long. His hair could not be touched. He becomes a young man. He's got all these Israelite women that he could choose to have his wife, and yet he's looking down at the plains because they were up high. He's looking down at the plains, and the Philistine women, they dressed very boldly, colorful, all kinds, you know. And the Israelite ladies, it was kind of dull, you know, kind of plain, but they were flashy. And the Philistines, they loved music, and they had all kinds of music and parties going on. And here's Samson looking down. Oh, my gosh, I want one of those gals. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. He tells his dad, his dad's a typical parent, mom and dad, why can't you choose one of our girls? I don't want one of them. Why is it our kids don't listen to us? If they would listen to us, we would help them avoid so many pits. But they don't think we know anything. Until they're about 40 to 50, and they're like, man, mom and dad were pretty wise. I would like it. Now, some of you are going to get angry. I would like it if we could have a dowry paid to us to give our daughter to a man. I would like that. Because I would check him out real good, and it would be a high price. 
Some of you that got all daughters, you could make a lot of money. But he wants a daughter down there, so his dad's like, oh, my gosh. He gets him a daughter, uh, one of the gals of the Philistine girls. And anyway, he's going to get married, and there's a riddle because, you know, he's made a bet, and the, the Philistine men don't know what it is, and they tell the woman, if you don't find out what that riddle is, we're going we're gonna to destroy your, you and your family. We're going to burn their crops. We're going to do all this stuff. And so anyway, she gets it out of him, and he ends up losing the bet. He has to pay them. He's furious, so upset. When he gets back to his wife, he finds out that her father has given her to another man. Now he's livid. And he's, you know, killing Philistines and all this. But let's go back. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I can take these guys down. I'll make these guys pride. I'm going to tell them a riddle. They're not going to be able to solve it. And I'm going to gain all kinds of stuff from them. And then Samson meets Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. And the Philistine men come to her. Leaders are like, listen. We'll pay you this much if you can get the secret of his strength. So three or four different times he tells her, if you braid my hair, if you do this, I'll lose my strength. And she goes, the Philistines are upon you. And he breaks the ropes or he's braided here. She's like, you've lied to me. You said you love me. You lied to me. And finally, because he's hanging with the wrong people in the wrong place. Come on now. How can you overcome temptation when you put yourself in areas where you can be tempted? With 100,000 children missing that have crossed the border, with the ungodly pagan things that are going on, the sexual sins because of sexual slavery that's going on in this nation, this perversion, parents, you cannot trust anybody. It's just evil. There's a book out there, if you can ever get this book, it's called Laura. If you could ever find this book, I found it because a, a friend of mine recommended it to me. It really describes what's going on in a lot of churches in America. It's devastating. I don't want to go into details, but if you could ever find the book Laura, um, this gal comes and speaks once in a while down at Deep, cries out to Deep, down at Carmel. But uh, her story is amazing of God's grace, but it just kind of lets us see what's going on. So anyway, Samson yields his secret to his strength. I'm a Nazarite. I've taken a Nazarite vow. Alcohol has never touched, and my hair has never been cut, and Delilah cuts his hair. She says, the Philistines are upon you, and he can't do anything with them, and they take him. Now, listen to me. If you keep walking and keeping the door open and you keep getting into temptation and keep getting into temptation and you keep getting into you're going to lose your sight. Samson lost his sight. They burned his eyes out. 
blinded him. Put him in as a slave, pushing a mill, a big wheel around and around. Our God is so good. His hair started to grow back. He's blind. They take him to the Colosseum. They chain him up to their statues that they worship, their pagan gods. And he says to God, not for me, but if you'll give me my strength back one more time, I will destroy these people in this Colosseum. God's grace is so good. I don't care how many times you failed, how many times you've messed up, all the things that you've done, God still will come back to you if you'll open up the door. You can never go too far for God not to reach you. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. But if I struggle with alcohol, I don't hang in bars. Come on. If I struggle with dope, I don't hang with druggies. A kid I know went through treatment, got out, was doing really good, and then he went back to where his drug friends were, and he took, not realizing as a 20-year-old that he couldn't take just one needle. He thought he could take two needles of heroin because that's where he was when he left, but he had been detoxed, and he couldn't take that much, and when those two needles went in, he instantly died, and they found him with two needles in his arm going back to the wrong place, hanging with the wrong people. Listen, what you've come out of, you have to be careful. You have to be careful hanging with those. I don't care how strong you are. I gave up all contact sports because I would get so upset. I was 30 years old, and I'm like, man, I can't do this anymore. A friend of mine invited me on a uh, lunch hour. Come down to the YWC. A bunch of guys get there, and we play ball. Man, it's just great pickup ball. And I'm, I'm bringing the ball down the court, and I go, and a guy sets a pick. And when I go to get around the pick, he takes his forearm and hits me in the chest and puts me to the floor. I looked at him. He extended hand. Oh, sorry, young man. Help me up. I'm like, okay. A little bit later, going around a different way, same thing, took his forearm, put me down to the ground again. I'm sorry, young man. I said, no, you're not. I said, no, you're not. I said, do not. Do not do that to me again. This is just pick a ball. I said, what's your name? He told me. I said, are you related to this guy? Yeah. I said, he's a good friend of mine. And you're related to him, yeah. Great. Awesome. Don't knock me down again. And I took myself out of that game. And then they pulled me back in, and I'm going up for a layup, and they, this guy put me into the wall. <laughs> put his knee into my side, and... I come home limping, thought my leg was broke, and had this big bruise, and Shaloi's always saying, why do you play sports? 
You're bleeding, you're hurt, and you go back out there. I, I was playing softball on the church softball team, and my finger got jammed back. You could see the bone. It was going this way, straight out. And it was bleeding, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I went, straighten it up, put my glove back on. I'm like, okay, let's keep playing. And so I played, and, and then I got up to bat and everything. And then when I get, and I said, then when I got the game is over, I said, oh, babe, look at my finger. What? When did you do that for? I have no mercy for you. <laughs> we had to go to the emergency room. This competitive spirit is not good. I'm saying, though, you have to learn these things. Learn them early. Learn them early. Second point, the enemy will attack you where you're the most vulnerable. Come on, I wanted to say at your weakest link. Where is it that you, you could be hit the hardest? I'm not asking for you to say anything to anybody. You know where it is. You know when you get around certain people or certain places or do certain things Sometimes being alone is the worst thing for people that struggle with addiction. First John 2, 12 through 17, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Come on, that's a good word there. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Come on, let's just be real. Don't be so judgmental. If you love those things more than God, God's love's not in you. Come on, be real. The problem is we've taken grace to new heights and we've forgotten about holiness. I'm not saying you can't mess up, but what I am saying is you got to be careful where you are and who you hang with. God will forgive. He loves you. It amazes me. But then it goes on to say, do not love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, come on, first temptation, the desires of the eye, second temptation, the pride of life, the three categories, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. Romans 13, 14. But put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Man, we get in the word, we put on Christ so that we can stay away from the temptation so that we can be more than a conqueror and an overcomer. Make no provision for the flesh. The flesh seizes every opportunity that affords it. God told Cain that sin lied at his door. The problem is Cain went ahead and opened the door. It 
If you struggle with pornography or you struggle with lust of the flesh, you don't need to have HBO and all this garbage Cinemax on your TV. You don't need to have all these accesses to your computers. You need things set there in accountability with other brothers or sisters that will hold you accountable so you're not on some website, some date site, some crazy site. Listen, if Jesus is coming back, he's looking for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Come on now. We're not perfect. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. I'm just saying, man, you have to take some steps to get some roots deeper in Jesus. Or we're going to see you screwing up your family over and over and over and losing out on the kingdom of God if you're not careful. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Look at number three, produce good fruit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is what God is looking for. This is what we're going to be judged on when we get to heaven. If there's a beam of seat judgment, this is what it's going to be. What kind of fruit did you produce? Come here, Shaloy. Come up here. Please. So turn around. When I get to heaven... And she's living next door to me. <laughs> God's going to look at me and he's going to say, I gave you a jewel. What did you do with that jewel I gave you in your wife? Did you polish it? Did you protect it? Did you provide for it? Did you do the things that I want? Did she have her joy later on in life because of the good things that you did for her? Or was she robbed of joy because of what you put her through? Come on now. What are you going to do, men, with the jewel I have given you? Shine really pretty for everybody. <laughs> But that's what God is expecting. I mean, when the coach from Colorado, living for a national championship and living to be a football coach, and God reminded him, well, he look at your wife. And he looked at his wife and he said, do you see any joy? He saw her. No joy. Nothing. He's like, that meant more to God than his accolades and accomplishments. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let's back this up again. God wants to see love coming out of you, joy for those especially that are going to be so close to you, your family, peace, Patience. Can we have a little more patience with those that we are married to or those children that we have helped create or those grandchildren or great-grandchildren? Grandparents have great patience with grandchildren. Just do what you want. Yeah, you want to climb up, jump, whatever. 
They, they came over the other day, and I got some ice. And Kayla was like, well, Dad, I didn't want him to have ice cream. And I'm like, oh, too late. And I dip it under. And he looked at me, and he said, happy? Can I have some more ice cream? Kayla's like, I said, sure, you're Ken. You're in my house. Yeah, you can have some ice cream. Right there you go, brother. She goes, I said no. I know. I know you did. I'm having some hearing problems, though. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Come on now. If we could just have some self-control, men and women, what you do in moderation, your children and grandchildren are going to do in excess. I had a person come to me the other day, and they were just talking to me, and I'm sitting there thinking, they're saying, man, man, my family is just like wrecked. We're on a highway to hell. And I'm like, because you won't change your life and you continue to do the same old garbage over and over, it is just being magnified in them. It's time to make a change. And if that's not going to motivate you, I don't know what will. Romans 5.20, now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. There is grace. There was grace with the woman caught in adultery. There was grace with Samson, and he ended up destroying the temple. He lost his life, but he, God gave him grace and restored that strength one more time. He didn't have to. It's a great picture of grace. And for 20 years, after he destroyed that temple, for 20 years, the Philistines did not bother Israel for 20 years. They had 20 years of peace. How many would take 20 years of peace? Come on now. Quit opening the door for the enemy to destroy you or your family. Stand with me this morning. The last point is this. Take responsibility for your actions. We want to blame a parent, a coworker, a child, a good friend that's hurt or wounded us, an ex, and what they did was wrong, and maybe they weren't the best parents, but I, can I tell you something? They cannot make decisions for you. You have to decide to let go and let God. I learned a long time ago I couldn't blame the alcohol in my family because I was making it a stumbling block and I kept tripping over it and I kept tripping over it and finally the Lord grabbed me one day and he said Owen make it a stepping stone step up on it and go help others make it a stepping stone I heard a story about a young man he was 12 he was in a gang and man, he was doing everything, heroin, violent crimes, and his mom just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. She knew she couldn't stop him. He'd come in late, and he said, I'm not going to listen to you, whatever. And he took off at 12 years old to run with the gangs, and he's done all these things. But mom and her neighbor ladies kept praying and praying. And finally, at about 17, 
there was this preacher coming into town, and he was holding this crusade. And, and on the street, he was out inviting people, and he met this young man. And he invited him to the crusade. He said, well, we're going to go and we're going to mess up the crusade. This is not Nikki Cruz. It was another gang member that David Wilkerson held a street meeting for. And that young man got saved and he pastors a church today. But that mama never gave up on him. She never stopped praying. She believed that God had a call on his life. And she and her neighbor friends prayed and prayed and prayed. Where are our prayer warriors for those that are struggling? Where are you praying and say, God, I am struggling. Let me put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and let me seek your face and let me not be anxious for anything but but through prayer and supplication make my request known to you I don't want to hear how many times you're failing I want to hear how much fruit you're producing because we all fail Just with your heads bowed, I'll read this last scripture and we'll go. 1 John 2.15, do not love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in you. But listen to this, it says, I'm the light of the world. It's what Jesus says in John 8.12. And then in 34 through 36, this word the Lord took me in my devotions this week. Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not remain in the house forever. But the Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's a pretty clear message there. You can be free and set free. You don't have to be a slave to sin, but if you keep going back and going back and going back, man... Be careful. Be careful. You see, if you, when you face temptation, overcome, sin never happens. If you face temptation and you overcome, sin never happens. Well, you know, God just needs to banish the devil. No, he gave us a free will. Sin's here. They're marching around Jericho. They're told not to take anything. But Achan, he sees these beautiful garments. He decides he's going to take some stuff, hide it. They get to the next battle. They lose the battle. And God says, Jericho was a first fruit for me, and somebody stole what I told you to give to me, and now you're all paying a price. Abraham lied more than once. Samson lost his hair and fell. Peter denied and cussed. Judas sold out. With your heads bowed today, I'm not going to bring you forward. But maybe you just don't know Jesus. You say, Pastor, today I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, remember me in prayer? I want to receive Jesus today. I want to know Christ. 
at home, all you have to do is invite him in. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You lived a perfect life. Forgive me of my sins. You rose from the grave. I want you to be my Lord. That's all you have to do. But with heads bowed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to have you come forward. I want everybody to close their eyes. Would you please just do that? Owen, I am struggling in an area of sin. And it is hard. I'm not condemning it. I'm just going to pray for you. I know what it was like daily to lose my temper. And it wasn't good. And it wasn't pretty. And I was no tough guy. I just had a lot of rage until the Lord helped me. But you're struggling with one of these three categories, and it just grabs you all the time, and you feel so defeated, so set back, so condemned. Nobody looking around. Would you just lift your hand up and say, remember me in prayer, Owen. Just lift it up high and put it back down. A lot of hands going up. Anybody else? Just remember me in prayer. Yes, yes. Remember me in prayer. Yes. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The Bible says if you will repent, he will forgive. You won't be perfect. But you know what? You can grow and produce greater fruit and be more Christ-like each and every day. Anybody else before I close in prayer, remember me in prayer. Don't want to miss you. Yes. 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 Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see every hand, and even the hands that didn't go up. Lord, I think of things even this past week that I said or did that I shouldn't have done. But I'm so grateful for your love and your forgiveness that when I repented, I knew as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. So, Lord, all these that lifted their hand, just right now, just say, Jesus, I am so sorry. Forgive me. Help me to find scripture that I can memorize. Help me to pray for people that don't know you, that really need you. Every time I get tempted in this area, this is going to be a focus to pray for them to come to know you. It's a simple thing, but I'm telling you it works. It's spiritual warfare. But God, I'm praying you set them free. Help them to avoid temptation, not to crack the door, not to walk through the door, not to put things in front of their eyes or their flesh or let their pride prevent them from being all that you want them to be. Because God, right now, the world needs to see lights. They need to see overcomers because everybody's participating in so much garbage. So help us, God, to be a light, to be overcomers, not full of pride, but humbled that we're even in the position that we're in so that we can love those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 